This is the Kawabui Show. Kawabui is an author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. He started his first business selling music CDs in high school at the age of 16. He then went on and built several businesses. He is the founder of River Design, a marketing company that helps businesses get more exposure online and offline. He has appeared on TV, radio, newspaper, and magazines from around the world. He has written and published several books and created various products. Kawabui is also an international speaker, corporate trainer, and speaks on topics of business, entrepreneurship, motivation, health, marketing, online business. You could check out his blog site at www.kowa-bui.com. And now, your host, Mr. Kowa Bui. Mr. Kowa Bui. I am um, true honored to finally get to interview you. I've seen you do some amazing things online and um, you know, you're really out there. You're really empowering a lot of people. So, um, so welcome to the show today. Thank you so much. Let's start by making sure I pronounce your name correctly. How do I pronounce your name in the potential, the proper pronunciation? It's uh, it's Kwa. 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 Yep. Kwa. Great. Thank you very much. Awesome. Okay. So, um, so let's get into it. So let's have a look at your background. So I think uh, you got some a really, Interesting background where, um, okay, so you're born in Singapore and then you went over to Dubai uh, for radio. So could you elaborate a bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I should probably start at the beginning. Mm. I, was, I was born in Singapore, raised mm-hmm. in Australia, and then I studied in Switzerland. So I speak German, went to, um, did a year there in Switzerland and still go back all the time. And then after that, moved to Singapore for four years and from Singapore got poached to go to Dubai, not from mm. Australia. Okay. So... Yeah, I went to work for Richard Branson's Virgin Radio. And at that time, they were building that station in the Middle East. And now it's like the jewel of their crown in terms of, obviously, radio globally is not as mm. profitable as it used to be. But that particular station does very well in that market because everyone drives. So you've really got yeah. like a captive audience. And yeah. That's awesome. And um, so, yeah, but initially you're in that, uh, what was it, that radio station, the, uh, the 98 one, and then eventually they, uh, Virgin yeah. Australia post you, right? And then, I'm not um, Virgin Australia, Virgin International. Virgin so International, yeah, yeah. There is no Virgin Australia okay. To, okay. Uh, um, to my knowledge. So basically I was at this like number 15 radio station in, okay. in Singapore literally doing the late night show and like sleeping on the couch mm. um, when we had like programming meetings during the week because I would end so late at night, but I was mm. being paid so little that I would just sleep over so I could wake up early for the programming meeting. Nice, it was that nice. bad. Yeah, yeah. And um, just, you know, cutting your teeth and only six months into that job, my very first radio gig, I got an email from Virgin Radio International from the man who's now like my life mentor, actually, yep. saying, how would you like to come and live and work in the <clears throat> city in the world and prior to the global financial crisis of 2009 Dubai mm. was the fastest growing city in the world mm. and i was having a really tough time in singapore because singapore is the most expensive city in the world for expatriates yep. so if you are not earning good money in singapore it's not that fun of a place to be it's great now because i'm an adult and i have savings and all that stuff but you know when you're in your early 20s cutting your teeth mm. i just couldn't wait to get out i was like it's hard to even feed myself you know on these rates living in a city this expensive so when they poached me it was a dream come true mm-hmm. yeah i've been to singapore it's a definitely it's a beautiful place and um you know as you're building up your career i think i saw you in crazy rich asians there so, <laughs> so there you go well i did all the crazy rich asians we all did everyone yeah. in India. Okay. um singapore's the country my birth it's absolutely amazing i love living here now as someone in my 30s in my 20s like I said when you don't have money it's hard Mm. but I wouldn't choose to live anywhere else and I've lived in four countries before the age of 30 this is the place for me right now in my life I think okay so um and you briefly mentioned that um your dad passed away as well sorry to hear that uh and this happened at age 19 as well and I think this was a life-changing event obviously that happened to you so um would you mind having a bit of a chat about that yeah, so um, so when I was 19, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and mm-hmm. they gave him like 90 days to live and within 90 days he passed away and it was a really like formative experience for me. I think I grew up, I'd just come back from Switzerland and I was just like any other 18-year-old yeah. in Australia. I just wanted 
to party and have a boyfriend and do all those have things. Fun, yeah, and yeah. This happened and I kind of, I really grew up. It really overnight, um, you know, turned me into an adult. I, you know, I watched him pass away in front of me. And I think that that is the club of us who've watched one of our parents literally leave and their soul leave in front of us. It's such a tiny club. And it's so hard to explain to people who haven't experienced that, how much it changes your life. Like for you to see mortality like that, how it changes the way you live your life. It was almost like I was in the matrix before and that took me out of the matrix is my best way of kind of explaining it. I mean, have you ever been through one of your parents? I, I haven't actually been through that, but it's one of my, um, obviously it's one of my biggest fears um, to, you know, get that phone call at three o'clock in the morning. And I just, you know, I was thinking about it after when you were talking about it. And um, I don't know how I'm going to cope with it, but uh, I, I guess I just have to, you know, go through it. And I think what you said um, about that whole experience is um, that death makes you stronger. So I guess um, it's like the caterpillar. I was thinking about the caterpillar. You have to lose your legs in order to get your wings, right? So I have to well, go through that one day. To the individual makes you stronger because then you'd be dead. But mm. I think adversity and loss and grief, mm. those us have experienced it make us really strong like Definitely. i think a lot of success i've had is because of the depth that that has given me and i think where you were saying it's your greatest fear this funny thing is when you're 19 it's not even a fear that you have you just assume mm. that your parents will be around for ages like it was not even quiet it, it, it doesn't even yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't even expect it um but it's made dealing with mum so much easier because I know what to anticipate. I know how to manage it. Mm. And so for that part of it, I'm grateful. And now it's interesting because all my friends who are around my age, 36, like their parents are starting to age and they're starting like you to feel that fear. Mm. And I think it's a great position to be in to be able to comfort people and say, you know, it is part of life. It will happen. Um, it's, don't be fearful of it. If anything, it, it's... Um, it will, it will give you impetus to heal broken relationships with your parents if you have them. Mm. Uh, and it's going to give you such a depth of experience too. And it, when you have a deeper sense of experience, I, I believe it also makes you, it either does two things. You either become very embittered, which of course I have experienced in times of my life. Mm. Um, the Perth experience, very embittered. But if you manage to process it the right way, it also makes you much more compassionate and empathetic, which I think is the space that I am at right now, which everyone can kind of see. Mm. But there were years there where I couldn't talk about it. It made me angry to think that a good man who was such a good father and such a good husband would be, you know, taken from his family so young. You know, it didn't make sense to me, but it does now. Mm. Yeah, I think I heard that you, uh, you did a lot of work on yourself as well. You did a lot of um, inner child work. You went to therapy and, and, you know, made you feel more vulnerable as well. You put yourself out there and, and um, yeah, you just did a lot of work on yourself, right? So, yeah, yeah. a lot. And it's mm. never ending. It's like Tony Robbins says, constant and never ending improvement. Mm -hmm. it, really, it really is. But mm. it's like the best work that you could do. I mean, I, my partner's like a fitness junkie mm. and he like, thinks that like sit-ups and all that is like the best work that you can do. Yeah. But since being me, like I've taken on doing more fitness and he's, it's also the personal development stuff has rubbed off on him. I've gotten him an executive coach and he's just seen leaps and bounds what that self-education and clarity can give you. Because mm. I think for many years and many of us walk around really confused about why we do things, why we react to things the way we do. And it can all be so easily solved quite like you can pick up a book and it can explain to you about trauma and triggers. Yeah. And all of these, and then you go, oh, that's why I do what I do. And that's why I feel the way I feel. And that builds incredible self-connection. Mm. And once we have self-connection, what happens is we connect so much better with others because other people are not connecting off an avatar of us. They're connecting with authentically who we have. So even in the last two years since I've done the work and then processed the work and put the new habits into play, the strength of my personal relationships and the weeding out of the people who were not good for me just becomes so easy because you really get to know yourself by doing that self work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you said that. I mean, well, just recently. I mean, you're talking about the value of human connection, 
And I think um, you had a lot of experience in working in palliative care, right? Where you were talking to a lot of old people and, and they gave you, um, you know, their, their regrets as well. And they never spoke about, about you know, spending more time at, at work or, or wish they made more money or anything like that. It was all about human connection. So um, that being said, yeah, you're the specialist of human connection. So uh, well, well, yeah. just to correct, I, I want to say, I, you know, I, I didn't work in palliative care. Like I just was, when I moved back, I was just a very good Asian daughter, I think. Mm-hmm. And I around and in the nursing home for hours and hours a day, you mm-hmm. know, five days a week. So I have seen a lot, but I don't want to, in this podcast, discredit at all the real people who work in palliative care who are like literally angels on their earth. They have to clean other people's, old people's bottoms. They are, it's the most unrewarded work that there is. It's like nurses, carers, carers who are like one of the lowest income bands in Australia, right? Mm. They deserve a medal. They're incredible and incredibly patient because they get screamed at by people with dementia and things and they're still awesome. So big shout out to anyone who's a carer who's watching this. You're incredible. yeah, so human connection, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, so um, so you're doing this keynote speaking and uh, you, you used to do radio as well. So in regards to, okay, let, let's have a look at the, there was also the relationship part as well. You're also single for eight years. What happened there? You, you know, like, yeah, yeah interesting. So I, like, okay, so as you've discovered, mm. I am not afraid to have a voice, right? You, yep. You've already discovered from the view. Which is awesome, interview. love it, yeah. Which, which is great, which didn't always happen. And there's, a, there's definitely a method and that's what I teach about, you know, you can be outspoken, but it's yeah, like, definitely. how do your words land, right? It's not just about speaking. It's like when you see a friend that rants on Facebook and it, and it just comes across really awfully, that's because there is no method to how the message lands. So mm. I would like to think that now as I get older, my message lands better because it's informed by a lot more compassion and experience and being more rational. Mm. Um, but there were times in that eight years when I was developing my voice where it wasn't as sophisticated as it is now. And I think that's very difficult for a guy. It's also very difficult if you have a public profile, a public name too. Mm. And I'm extremely independent as a result of other family things, which will remain private, but I'm just extremely financially independent and extremely career minded. And I have been since I was a girl at school and Mm. a woman very type A and very career oriented and maybe not so feminine. I'm quite masculine in the way that I am. And mm-hmm. I used to struggle with that a lot. But now that I found someone who loves me as I am, I, I, I just embrace it. Yeah. We have to have some masculine women on the planet. Just like yeah, course, definitely. Feminine. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So I think those are the massive reasons behind um, that. And also in that eight years, I lived in three countries in that eight years. Mm. So when you're country hopping, you know, you're not committing, you're going to be what, two years in a country? You're not, I was two years in, um, five years in Dubai. So in that eight years, there was, you know, two years at the end of Dubai. There was one half years in Perth. Then I moved back to Singapore. <laughs> and then there was a reign of the years before I met Paul. So mm. unless you're going to commit for someone who's what I call a serial expat and places like Dubai, New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, yeah. are full of people who hop countries like this, finding a country to commit to is your number one priority. And once you're happy with that location, because you have so much choice, we are blessed. Not everyone is so blessed Mm. to have a CV that people want to move around. And once you have that choice, you know, then going, I'm going to stay in this country. Fantastic. And I'm going to invest actual furniture and not just Ikea in my apartment and Mm. set down some roots. And then after that, you look to finding love. Mm. And I think that's for many of us who country hop kind of the pattern. So that's mm. what happened for the eight years. Beautiful. And I noticed in the background, you've got some painting. Is that your painting that you're doing yeah. at the moment? Or, yeah. So that's going to be sent. So I don't know if you know, I did a series of paintings during our initial lockdown um, with the theme of human connection. Mm. And each one of the paintings is being sent to the people oh, that nice. are in them. So they're scenes from the pandemic. So that's mm. a couple. Mm. Um, that's been posted them in the US. Behind that is a famous Italian opera singer who was photographed by the Associated Press singing outside of her window. And maybe eventually there'll be a speech out of it where I'll show all the people. Oh, beautiful. It's a, they're paintings about human connection, but the act of sending them to the people in them is an act of connection itself. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the the particular nurses that I painted in Wuhan in China, we couldn't find them. Like my assistant speaks Mandarin and went to search online. We couldn't yeah. find nurses. So they've been given to, one's been given to um, a nurse in the infectious disease department in Singapore. Another one's been given to an emergency doctor. So yeah. they're already up on my Instagram, but as these okay. people receive them, they'll be taking photos with them. And so it was a, it was a project during the beginning of our lockdown because yeah. I, I, I used to paint as a kid and it's nice to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It looks amazing. Okay. So um, there was also, uh, you mentioned the power of thoughts and the law of attraction as well. So uh, I thought that was really interesting what you said about how, how you've got to a point in your life where the power of your thoughts is really crystallized, where you're really starting to attract a lot of things into your life. So could you elaborate a bit about that one? Sure. I, I get- Firstly, we all have the power to do it. It's mm. just when you're, I think every time things have come true for me, it's not based on my ego wanting things like, hey, I want more followers, but it's based mm. on something that the universe thinks that I also need. So when I was uh, 23, like sleeping in the, that storeroom at Power 98 FM and going through all of that, the universe um, sent me a colleague who was my mentor, like teaching me radio at that station. I was brand new. Um, and I was having a really tough time in Singapore, really struggling, missed Mm. my family and also earning nothing. And he was telling me that he had just come back from working in the UAE as a DJ, Mm. but he wasn't living in Dubai. He was living in Sharjah, one of the neighboring smaller Emirates. And I said, you know, did you like it? And he said, you know, I loved it so much. If I wasn't a married man with kids, it's somewhere that I would stay. It's great for singles. And I remember just in that, that, moment i remember going home and i still have a hard copy diary to this day and i wrote in there um get do one year at this radio station and get a reel together and then send it to dubai Mm. and within weeks like weeks i got an email yeah i got an email from virgin radio international saying how would you like to come live and work the fastest growing city in the world that was the first time. And the funny thing was I was such a negative person back then because I had so much trauma and so much, not even anger, rage. Anyone who knows anything about therapy and rage, I can tell you the rage that you have from losing someone in your direct family, it's, it's like unleashing a beast. And at that time, it was so funny. Sometimes the rage would blind me so much. I don't even know how the universe like got the message, but I, I think... I really think if it's something that's not um, not motivated by ego, what you're requesting, mm. and that the universe knows it's what you need, they'll give it to you. The same with Paul. I wrote, in order to find my partner, I wrote this massive special exercise that a friend who's a coach of mine gave me. Because obviously eight years is a long time. And other people who've done this list found yeah. their partners after. And I was like skeptical, but I was like, okay, girls, I'll do it. Yeah. And the universe sent me what I needed, not what I wanted. So I was dating, you know, people totally different from Paul. Mm. And the universe sent me the kind of man exactly that I needed. And I think now that I know that there's this pattern, I tap into it. So if you've kind of seen the last year of cleansing my energy from the toxic radio station I was working at, Mm. moving into an environment where I can choose the players in my environment. So this is what I would say to everyone, if you are in a toxic environment, whether that be toxic family members, toxic workplace, that energy is so thick, it's like a soup. It's gonna be, and, and it's infectious, and it's gonna be really difficult for you to find the things to, find that direct line to the universe to get things for you to manifest. Mm. But I swear, if you do it, it'll happen. Like I put my, I remember going to do my TEDx, and I was like, I'm gonna get this TEDx online, it's gonna be my little part of my mission, and people are going to find me off this TEDx. And then I got an email from one of the biggest companies in the world saying, we would like you to do this speech instead of in, in front of 14,000 people mm. for our annual conference in Korea. Mm. And the rate of that speech is like what people in the Southeast Asian speaking industry are earning after 20 years in the industry. And it was just amazing. And then of course COVID happened. So it's now been postponed to next yeah. year, but you'd want, I would rather wait till next year than do it as a virtual event because I love that human connection, yeah. right? I, like doing it as a virtual event. Yeah, that's what I, you do I, best. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but the funny thing is again, I had the thought, 
I had the thought. So it's like having that thought is like planting that seed. And conversely, it means having those negative thoughts are planting the negative seeds. Mm. So I had to train my brain from being like a negatively geared trauma baby. Because you know how the, the brain works to keep us safe, right? Yeah, the, uh, you've got the three brains, and reptile brain, yeah, trying to keep you yeah, safe. Yes, yeah. exactly. So reptile brain, fight or flight mode. But generally, those of us who experienced trauma before, big T or little T trauma, you know, you just have this kind of brain that wants to keep you safe. And that also makes you more negative and have limiting beliefs to keep you safe. Mm. When I learned to eliminate those, the speed at which I believe the universe could get to me is like ridiculous. Like people are always like, Simone, how have you happened? It's been a pandemic. How have you done this? How have you done that? And I think it's literally because I rewired my brain and I, um, I got rid of any negative influences, including family, anybody negative or who didn't want the best for me or was a secret hater. I just cleared the debt. And it's, it does amazing awesome. things. <laughs> do it, guys. I love you too much if you're watching this for you not to do it. <laughs> love it love it i always believe that um the universe adheres to a vacuum so let's say that you've you know if you've got a wardrobe if you empty the wardrobe it's going to get filled up with new clothes it's just the way the universe works so yes. you went ahead and just cleared out your circle cleared out everything and um you know emptied your barn you did the whole Marie condo on, on your mind and then uh yeah and, and now you're attracting you've made way to to attract all these opportunities into your life that's amazing that's so cool it's been wonderful. And my, let me tell you what my previous blueprint was. So a couple mm. things. My previous blueprint used to be, you're getting older. You gave your best years to your mum. Now you're too old for entertainment. No one will want yeah. you. Too old to take. That was when I moved to Singapore in 2015 at my, at one of my other quite low points after dealing with a lot of family stuff back in Perth, that was my thought process. And of course, then when you're thinking like that, you manifest bad dates, you manifest bad colleagues, bad bosses, bad jobs. Like you attract all of that because you literally, there's like a self-loathing, right? Mm. And that, that mindset is a different human. And then the second thing I want to say about manifestation is I also, if for anyone watching this, if this goes onto YouTube, want you to know that I understand that I, you know, was born into a middle-class family and there's privilege involved in that. There is blessings that people like us have been given that people in the third world, for example, mm. are manifesting as well that, you know, I understand that manifestation in this discussion is very much a first world discussion is mm. what I just want to acknowledge. Mm. We've been given tools that we've been lucky enough to be born with. So I think that that also needs to be said once you've traveled around enough you you know that a roll of the dice of what country you're born into what passport you held um that's the universe at play in a different way and and you know any of us who are lucky enough to be watching this on a device are blessed so if you were to if you lost everything and you were to do all, all over again what would you do I would have, okay, this is tough. Mm. I would have never, um, I would have never, uh, this is tough because I don't believe in regret really, but mm. I can say to any of the young, younger people on here. And I actually um, was experiencing this the other day with my own assistant and just talking to her about stuff. Never ever sign a contract in a moment of vulnerability for yourself, where you're feeling low about yourself. Never do that. Um, the universe will take care of you. You don't have to do that. That would be my, my thing. Love it. Absolutely. Love it. So, okay. What about uh, the happiest moment of your life? What would it be? Oh my God. Every day I wake <laughs> <Every> up. <day. laughs> See you dancing. You know? I, I remember going the therapist um you know 
when I first moved to Singapore, trying to deal with a lot of the mum stuff that was still with me, even though I'd moved countries. And mm -hmm. I stupidly, because I didn't know anything about personal development then, mm. I thought, oh, you just can run locations. You can just jump locations and it won't follow you. Wrong. <laughs> It'll follow you. Yeah. So I remember sitting there and the therapist said, oh, you know, what do you want to get out of this kind of grief counseling for all you've been through? And I said, I just want to be one of those people that, you know, like super basic, like every day wake up happy. And if someone, <laughs> super says, <basic. laughs> yeah, if someone says something to them, they don't even get triggered. They're like, oh. yeah. and I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Look at the craziness in my eyes. <laughs> Love it. Yes. No, I mean, like for me, that's a huge achievement because that, you know, when you're a trauma baby, you grow up, you grow up overthinking, analyzing, constantly triggered, living in a haze, mm. living in that fight or flight mode. And then now I get to, I'm going to cry, but I get to wake up every day fueled by passion for doing things that every actually helps people. I get yeah. to use my way that I want. I make way more money every month. The universe provides for me mm. than I ever make my broadcasting career. Mm. Um, and I get to choose to do quality work and I get to be able to fly to see my mom whenever I want pre-pandemic. Yep. And that's, and I'm loved by a really great man and some really great friends. And I think that mm. that's what I wanted for years, but because of all those things that were going on, I felt unsafe. So I held on to those jobs that didn't serve me, you know, and, uh, just what to pay you bills. when you're younger, hopefully someone sees this and I've helped them. Of course, you're you're, you're helping. You're, you're sprinkling your your wisdom and your joy throughout the world. You know that's 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 reason why you're doing, you know, you're you're doing all this amazing. Yeah, you know, like we have to light up the darkness, right? So there you go. <laughs> and that goes to to the other quote. I really like. You said some really amazing things in the past. Um, you said that um, when 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 you you might be having some sad things in the closet. Right, but you can still have a joyful life. I thought that was really cool. Like you know, you, you, you're you're out there, you're on social media, you're dancing and stuff. But you know, you can have some stuff in you know, sad stuff in the closet, and but you know, you can still have a joyful life and everything. So a lot of people think that you got to clear everything out, right, and um, in order to have a happy life. But you can still be joyful and everything, and have some stuff going on. So that's really amazing. I think that there is like, we all have stuff going on. Mm. We all have stuff going on every, I mean, I've got all these different coaching clients. Doesn't matter from where in the world they are. One of them's father is passing away from cancer. The father is alone because of COVID. Mm. He can't even visit. So they're doing video stuff. And we're laughing about the, you know, how our parents use the video and put it too close to their face. Yeah. And I mean, there is absolutely always, like I said, any of us, less enough to even watch this on a device, which means we can afford a device, mm. means that we should be joyful. There is stuff to be joyful about. Um, and you can take that from me, someone who's seen some really mm. traumatic things in her time. It's not me happy-go-lucky on Instagram dancing. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot more to 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 what's going on in your life 100 percent, you know um you picked up a lot of wisdom along the way and um i'm curious but what about your routine your daily routine what do you tend to do what's the the day in the life of simone hang um i am not the best person at this but i'm working work in progress so i go to bed every night about around midnight i used to do nighttime radios so i was used to go to bed at one or two for me midnight's okay. pretty good nice. i get up um, so you're not person or, or you're a morning person no. or um, I'm more of a daytime, I'm, I'm okay. a daytime, person, okay, but I'm yeah. not by any means a 5am person at all. Okay. Okay. So 12, like sleeping 12 to 8am is my perfecto timing as a mm -hmm. 36 year old woman. Okay. Um, I get up and I have oatmeal and, uh, some fruit cut into it and, um, some genmai chai Japanese tea. That's my breakfast. And I normally do that. You'll laugh while watching one of my favorite documentaries on Netflix or on YouTube. What's the documentary that you're watching? I've watched almost all of the documentaries. So I'm constantly watching documentaries. You've just got to ask me, like, what is the latest what, one right now? Right I was before we. The, uh, oh, what's that one? The uh, the guy that just got um, arrested. Um, with, oh, I forgot, forgot the name, but there was a guy that just oh, got. Oh, no, no, one, Steve. Yeah, um, once, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, there's, I mean, I'm obsessed with documentaries. Actually, documentaries is how I learn. 
I learn more about the world and politics and things from documentaries than I do from news because I'm mm -hmm. a storytelling person. So okay. I will watch a documentary and I'll Google a bazillion things, but so much of what I do on stage and with my clients is about storytelling. So I just love listening to stories and being part of stories. So I love how documentaries present things. Mm. Um, so normally I do that over breakfast for 30 minutes. Nice. Um, and then I check the phone. I sh try not to check email first thing in the morning. I have coaching clients in North America. So most of the time they'll do a 9 a.m. And, um, and so by the time I get to the, the news and my email, it's like 11 a.m. Mm. So pretty, yeah, pretty late. And then we do emails from 11 to 12, mm. 12.30 I'll have lunch or cook lunch and eat lunch. Mm. And then I back down again doing work. Yep. And every day is different. Some days shooting for like an Instagram campaign or mm. videos for TikTok or other days it's writing speeches, going over coaching clients' work, um, doing online speaking gigs. Awesome. And then we wrap up at around 6, 6.15 with a virtual uh, workout class. But now mm. I get to go back in person. <laughs> Um, which is great. Yep. And, um, and then I, ca I come down and then I probably read, read or watch more Netflix and go to bed. Mm. So I like, this might sound like a really easy routine, but just as disclaimer guys, I worked my butt off for 15 years in broadcasting. So now that I'm my own boss, no one's going to make me work those crazy days. Like I yeah. want 30. When we go into the fitness class after that, I'll even tell my assistant, Hey babe, I'll get back to you tomorrow on the stuff. Yep. Unless the dying yeah yeah um but i must say during the pandemic i was separated from paul and in singapore you're not allowed to visit house to house so i was getting uh, doing seven day weeks because mm -hmm. i wasn't hanging out with him so i just do work yeah now i have to cram in a seven day work week into five days and that's really <laughs> that's really really difficult now so i am yeah. overwhelmed i'm glad that we booked this in well in advance yeah Fantastic. Yeah, it was like a month. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, yeah, she's really busy. So there you go. <laughs> no, but look, then we get around to it and I'm prepared. I got the makeup on and all this. Like this is yeah. just for you. I'm taking this off afterwards. It's it's all but what's behind the uh what's behind that thing? Anyway. Oh, the kitchen's behind there. Oh, okay, okay. So a lot yeah. of dirty dishes there. So <laughs> it's, it's I live in a really old condo, so the tiles are like seventies tiles with brown on them that uh, okay. not fun for anybody. Heard there was a, I don't know whether it's a crude joke, but they said that every behind every um successful woman is a big pile of like dirty laundry. I don't know whether that's sexist or not, but you know it is true. <laughs> so. No, I'm really good. I think behind every successful woman just needs to be a need to delegate and have a fantastic assistant. Like mm. I've had some bad assistants, and now I have the most incredible assistant, and yeah. she's so good and has so much skin in the game for my business that when I find myself typing about the business. I type we, mm. and I'm like, we, Simone, it's, it's just you. Why is it? We? But because she has company, so much, yeah. yeah, she has so much skin in the game that it's, it's we, she's mm. my employee that, that she, she doesn't at all make me feel like she's a vendor giving me her services, you know, yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah. so that's, that's more great advice if you're going to yeah. go out your own. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Um, it's not, it's not easy to, one sorry, one year. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You posted today yeah yeah that post that you did um yeah today was was really amazing and and uh showed you you know your story about all the fear that you went through and um you did this whole transition and everything like you did it so yeah congratulations that's a that's a big dream you know so what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to achieve the dream like you well, you've got to ask yourself what's motivating the dream, right? Like, because mm. the dream could be anything. It could be, I want to get a boob job or yeah. my dream is to start my own business. And mm. I know there are a lot of people who want to start their own business. And I think that you just need to make sure that you are obsessed by the idea. This is how you know your dream will come true. I swear to you, if it's all you can think about. Like, I would be in meetings at the radio and... People would be talking to me and my mind would just be dreaming and daydreaming and manifesting about mm. the business. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing to do to be able to dream and execute at the same time. That's how you see really rapid growth. But if you're not obsessed by it, I don't know whether it can happen. You, mm. You've got to be obsessed because when you're obsessed by it, you're sending out 
a constant RSS feed to the universe to make <laughs> I love that. RSS feed to yeah. the universe. Yeah. It's a RSS feed to the universe. It's like a direct mm. phone line, you know? Mm -hmm. Hello, universe. Today, <laughs> I would like 50,000 US keynote. Send it to me. And you wake up. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. So, how about, um, I got another question as well. So if you were to step into a time machine, right? Press a button, go back maybe 10 years. What would you say to your younger self? I would say mend the relationship with your mum now, right? Oh, that's so, deep. So this time, 2020, so this time, 2010, my mum actually came to Dubai to visit me around mm -hmm. this time. And she was living with me and we still had all of this stuff going on and we fought um, and then one of my big regrets is she got the, the date of her flight mixed up mm. and I couldn't go and see her to the airport because I had to work on air in the evening in the radio. So it was like an early morning flight. Um, and I arranged a special car for her and everything. And then she got the date wrong. She had to come back to the house. And I, I, at that time, like we are our mother's most time, I couldn't wait for her to leave. And then I was really bummed that she was back. And I think of that now and I feel so guilty. Like, you know, that was the last time she was able to actually travel to visit me. Um, and my sister later on told me she was really upset about it. But at the time I felt it was justified because I didn't understand that my mother had a disease. Like we didn't know that what made her difficult was this disease that mm -hmm. caused mood swings and pre-onset dementia. So when she would say mean and nasty things that would trigger me and end up in a fight, I didn't understand it wasn't her. So, but if I had just mended that then, I think a lot of the searching and the pain that came in the last 10 years or the last eight years would have been completely non-existent. Mm. Do you so, Yep. Any of you watching, med relationships with your family, your parents particularly, sooner than later. Mm, love it. Absolutely love it. Do you believe in the afterlife? Yes. Yeah? You don't? Why are you giving I, me the face? No, no, I'm not giving you a face. No, I, I totally believe in the afterlife. So um, that's, how, that's one way I, I deal with things is um, I, have to go through, I have to go through that process one day. But I, I keep, just keep reminding myself, you know, I'll be reunited in 10, 20 or even 30 years. I'm not too sure. So, and uh, yeah, I think it's something that we all have to go through. Death is a doorway we have to go through. And, um, you know, just the other night, I was just reading up on how other people saw the afterlife and they saw, you know, people who passed on, the, the previous dogs and everything. And yeah, there's nothing to worry about. You know, you're going to be reunited. You're going to see each other again. So, you know, that's that's how I sort of like deal with things. And um, yeah, so... Just, just curious, I, yeah. I have two big thoughts that give me more, most comfort. Mm. Number one is the thought that there is an afterlife. And a lot of the times when I'm really um, having a really stressful moment, particularly at my last job when I was being bullied by my boss, mm. I, would, uh, I would not just pray to the universe and to God. I would also pray to my dad, like as if my dad was like looking out for me. Mm. That's how strong my belief was in it. And also it gives you great comfort, right? And my other great belief is I must believe that we have more than one love in our lifetime. Because if I didn't believe that, then I would have to believe that all of the lonely widows and widowers that I met, like my mum in that nursing home, would never find love again. And I wouldn't want that to happen to anyone. So they're my two big things. Mm. People are like, I believe in the one. And I, I say, well, actually. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I believe there's I, multiple, I, yeah. I would like to for me, but the truth is I wouldn't want to condemn all those people yeah, 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 yeah. To, to life alone after they've lost the loves of their lives. So mm, mm, mm. no, I, so, and that, that's a new thing, you know, maybe in the last five years, but prior to that, I used to really think there was just only one mm. person. Mm, okay. Your birthday. What was your birthday? November? 25th of April. Anzac, 25th Day. April. Anzac Day. What's that? Is that a Leo or? No, it's a Taurus. Taurus. Ah, Taurus. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, then. Um, okay. So also you've got courageous speaking as well. That's your new baby. So tell yes, us about, about that. Yes, my new baby because I don't have mm. an actual baby. Um, <laughs> CourageousSpeaking.com is the world's first online public speaking community created especially for busy executives. Awesome. 
Mm-hmm. So we, we bite-sized chunk the courageous speaking webinars. They're monthly, plus you get support from me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted nice. to put it at a price point that was pandemic friendly. Mm. So it's only 15 US dollars a month. And it's just like, we had 700 people on the first webinar. We've got almost a hundred people in the community right now after only three weeks. And I just, it just excites me so much. Like today I spoke to someone who helps with Facebook ads. I've never boosted any ads for anything before. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how it's doing because I want to maximize my time. Mm. And she said to me, you know, to be honest, like, we think you have potential for so much more. Like why have you created such a low price point thing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cause I'm not all about money. I'm about <laughs> mission. I'm about about mission. Yeah. Like I want women in the Philippines, Malaysia, Vietnam. Um, I want people in Thailand to be able to want to better their public speaking and be able to attend this at a price point that they can afford. Because I have one-on-one coaching clients that pay me thousands and Mm. I'm only one person. There's only so many you can have. And then there's this whole other people, particularly Asians that need another Asian teaching the public speaking. Mm. We have a whole bunch of other cultural concerns as to why we're scared to speak up. And that's to do with culture. And so someone who's not Asian will not be able to address those fears that inform stage their stage fright or lack of confidence so i needed to create something for them and at the price point which people in southeast asia outside of singapore because singapore is like crazy rich asian town Mm. but outside of here everywhere Mm. else they needed to be able to afford so Mm. that was the lowest that i could do it and um it's just been life-giving it's so different by than from like being paid to do corporates where you do a big corporate event and you know everyone is made to be there because they have been asked by their company to sit through your speech. Mm. It's such a different reaction than to doing, sharing your knowledge with people who paid from their own pocket, who've got skin in the game, who believe in you, who love how you teach and what you teach and then implement it. Like it, it's, it's so different. So it mm. really did open my eyes a little bit just mm. in, in the act of creating this. I think um, the, the way I see it with the courageous speaking is it's not just, just, becoming a better speaker it's it's a bigger mission i think you've got a massive mission where yeah 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 and like just you just briefly mentioned about um you know asians can be a bit timid obviously you know they can be a bit shy they don't speak up but you know when they see you up there your speaking is it starts you start planting seeds you know, like those people out there start saying, oh, wow, you know, Simone's out there. She's speaking. She's seems really powerful. She's confident. I can do that. You know, it's just that belief that you're changing in them. And yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. all about representation, you know. Yeah. I'm a five, five foot one, you know, young looking Asian woman mm. where the archetype of what it was to be a speaker and expert was a 50 plus old white man for years. Yeah. For every generation before mine, before Me Too, Black Lives Matter, Um, And the diversity conversation happened in the US. And that obviously filters down to global cities like Singapore. Um, And I, if anything is to go by the last online speaking gig I did, every single person on that panel was Asian. So it's Asian speakers speaking to Asian audiences. Uh, That's really exciting. It's an exciting Mm. time to be a speaker. And so I... I can only do my best to like keep researching and keep getting better on the topic mm. and keep interviewing more people like what you're doing, but for my particular niche, mm. uh, so that I can serve people better uh, mm. and serve my people better, like show up better representing um, Asians on global stages because there aren't many of us, frankly. <laughs> we got to represent, you know. <laughs> yeah, not many female ones either, but that's it. When I was starting out in radio, there were, you know, Asians on the radio in the Middle East. Mm. I was back on air in Australia for Southern Cross Hysteria, like hardly any. It's not something that our parents told us to do. Exactly. Yeah. What's your story? Tell me what, what's your story? Like, how did you start this? And Yeah, well, for me, um, well, I've, I've, I've I started off as just reading a lot of the Tony Robbins stuff, Brian Tracy, all the, all the personal development stuff. And I got really into it. I love the whole motivation. And I'm really just, you know, I, I discovered how um, it, 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 you have to really learn a lot about people. And everyone's got a really interesting story to share. And then, um, and then over the years, I just had an idea of doing my own podcast. And I just, you know, dabbled in it as well. And then 
you know, and then I decided, okay, I'm just going to go full time into this. I'm just going to try and find really good people to, you know, talk to and just learn from. And yeah. You quit your job and you're doing this full time now? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then just um, yeah. Well, I've got my own like um, web design company as well, so I'm just earning. You can do it from home. I can do that from home as well, and um, yeah, I can hire people, or whatever. So, yeah, and then yeah, but you know, this is my long-term game where, um, yeah, I get to interview people like yourself and just push out really good content and just do it for the next you know ten, twenty, thirty years and just the rest of my life. So, yeah, it's not really. Yeah. I'm not doing it just for just money or anything like that. It's just uh, I just love it. So I just love meeting people like yourself and just learning it as well. So. Yeah, that's me. Babe, good for you. Good yeah. for you. And you're in Sydney now, so you grew up in Perth and then you left? Yeah, yeah. So um grew up in Perth and uh yeah, it's you know, it's it's not really a fast place, but then I always had dreams of, of traveling. So then I booked my uh flight ticket to go around the world, went around the world for a few months and then yeah, I stayed in Singapore for a bit, stayed in the Philippines and then went back to Perth and went over to Sydney. And uh, yeah, just got, did the whole traveling stuff. And I'm very ambitious, extremely ambitious. I'm always, you know, I want to do this, want to do that. And um, yeah, it's just, it just never ends. So yeah. It's, I, look, I think that's incredible. Mm. I think that's incredible. Like, yeah, you know, be driven. Like it's not a... Life is short, no, right? Life is short. Life, there's no yeah. other way to live. Mm. Like I see my partner, even though he's a banker and he has earned well consistently so i'm probably only only mm. well now but like i you know when you're in the media you're hustling mm. for your gigs and this to to have a decent income and he looks at me and i sometimes i see like the envy in his eyes because i have that mission so mm. it's like would you trade it's a literal in a partnership one person who lives by money and one person who lives by mission and there's not a day that goes by that i envy his part of the deal because mm. i truly you have mission you can earn money too mm. but he looks very mature though like your partner yeah, yeah but if yeah. He, he had pursued he's so good at what he does and he's so capable in general and responsible like he's a real man mm. like if he had had his purpose early on and used all these pragmatic skills that he has to execute like he's really into fitness for example mm. so he could have done build a business around fitness and it could be something massive by now but he would have had to go through a lot of years of discomfort mm. and he didn't want that. So I think it's a certain type of person that's willing to go through the years of discomfort to get, like I had to do 15 years of discomfort. That's not true. Dubai was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ten, like, you know, 10 years of discomfort. Yeah, yeah. To get to the good juice. Um, whereas I know by Paul's character, just everything about him, that he's just not made like that. So you've got to go the safe route the safe route where he just um needs to make sure that money goes in every month and yes. you know he and needs certainty right but you're you're you thrive in uncertainty right no no i've learned to live with uncertainty i think this should have been the podcast but i think when dad died i had lived with certainty and was thrown into uncertainty and i literally think it took 10 years to process it before Ten I years had, yeah oh now I'm, I'm now i'm like oh shit will happen that I can't control. I, I wasn't somebody, um, but Paul is very controlling. And also, I don't think it's just about wanting the paycheck. I think people who go into finance on some level love the accoutrements that come with being in finance. There Does is, he love finance? Does he love it? Well, he loves it. He sounds like he loves the fitness more than the finance. No, I think he used, he did when he started. And I think certain people work really well being promoted um, being promoted letter, uh, right? yeah. mentally. Yeah, okay. And he's just one of those people. I'm not like I do terrible in organizations. Like I'm too arty. Like I'm not mm. going to be fit for anyone making me manager and moving me up because I'm just too unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people are really good at fulfilling the key performance index and then just like moving up. Yeah. And he's one of yeah. those people. So I think a big thing for entrepreneurship too is like, you need to know what animal you are. You've obviously worked as a web designer and had your own business for years. Mm -hmm. yeah. freelance for years. So you know how to fill your time and days. It, it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Mm, that's really interesting. That's, um, yeah, so different personality types. So. <laughs> yeah, know thyself. Know, know thyself. thyself. Did you do like the disc? Did you do the? Yeah. Did you, I think uh, you've done the disc personality profile, right? 
you're probably a dominant influential. No, I've done Enneagram and I've done Myers-Briggs. My, what's yours? Um, I'm the same as Obama in Myers-Briggs, the protagonist type. Protagonist. Is that ENFP or ENF? Yeah, ENFJ. ENF- Are you an ENFJ? I can't remember. I just know that it's the protagonist. If you Google protagonist. I'm a protagonist as well. I'm ENFJ as well. So uh, yeah, extroverted. ENFJ. Yeah, uh, extroverted, intuitive, um, judgmental, and yeah, very feeling type of person as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then do the Enneagram. Have you done the Enneagram? What's the Enneagram? I've heard of that. That taught me everything. I'll write it to you in the chat. It tells you not your characteristics, but it tells you what you're motivated by in life. And I'm in Enneagram type seven, which is motivated by excitement, which is why I should never have been in a full-time job ever. That is why, because that routine, like I do like a routine how I work, but I like being surprised. I love opening my inbox and getting a new speech inquiry or, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. And you love the chase, right? You love chasing and capturing things. Yes. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) I think one thing about getting older, which is amazing, is like you're no longer running a race against other people to capture things. It's just me. I'm just running against me to see if I can capture mm, absurd mm, things mm. that I should not even have a right to, but I believe the universe has my back to acquiring. Yeah. Like some of the things that I ask for are outrageous. <laughs> because I'm not getting stuff from the universe because you know, the, the universe is too busy fulfilling your order. You know, there's all this stuff that you're trying to get. <laughs> I'm still waiting in line. No, so. <laughs> no, it will, but it will give it to you at the timing that you, um, that is not up to you. It will give yeah. it to you at the time that you need. Trust well, me, I asked for a boyfriend for eight years. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, I know. Well, I thought I saw that, and I thought that maybe, oh, maybe not a lot of guys can handle handle you and stuff like that. It was a bit maybe that. Yeah, I think you, I think someone like Paul, for example, is like really. But he looks like he can. He looks like he can handle he, like you know. He's fifty. Yeah. He don't give. <laughs> yeah. He don't give yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I do is like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's he doesn't take any of the things I say seriously. He thinks I'm so funny. But if you look at, so today I had a coaching client. We we spoke about, um, you know, her divorce and and she was talking about, you know, very similar background to me in terms of like childhood trauma and early trauma. Mm. And she really couldn't have gotten, She I said, so she started doing the self-development work and having the big awakenings, but except she was married and that actually forced them apart. And I said to her, do you think that, if you are the person you are now after all of the therapy self-work, would you have chosen a different husband? And she said, without a doubt, yes. And that's why I believe, I've always believed that the universe waited so long to give me Paul because the man, the men that I was choosing to date when I hadn't processed my trauma and was being triggered are a completely different human to what I needed, which is Paul. They are just... You you wouldn't even like I never even looked at Paul. I've known Paul since 2007, since I first moved to Singapore. Never even looked at Paul. Wasn't mm. interested. Mm. Was looking at the things that my trauma, my feelings of unlovability and unwantedness because of my family trauma were telling me to date the kind of man that didn't really want me. Mm. Right? It's a very specific, rare kind of man that wants an alpha female. You know this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as rare as there are alpha females, it's just as rare to find the kind of man that would find that masculinity and ambition attractive. It's mm. that rare. So it is one every eight years. So I'm not... One every um, but, but I think that that's really interesting. I think, yeah, God, the Simone 10 years ago, if I had ever gotten married or pregnant then at 26, I would definitely be... <laughs> It, it would be a different person or worse off. I probably would never have gotten to resolve all the issues mm. and felt connection and belonging. And it's only when we feel connected and belo- like we belong. If you know Maz- Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. that you get self-actualization and self-esteem. You cannot get there if you have trauma telling you you don't belong and that you're unlovable and unwanted. So you got to solve that so you can get to self-actualization. That's the only way. Mm. You, you've really cleared the barn, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, you know, I do believe there's such a thing as an addiction to. Well, after this, I just want to get some therapy right now. <laughs> so no, therapy. I, mean, I, I, I when I watch um, uh, the Queer Eye guys on Netflix, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. They reference so much therapy stuff, and I have a little giggle because Jonathan would be like, "That is little T trauma." When someone's talking about someone who died in their lives, I'm like, "Jonathan, I hear you." Like they, those boys, like Karamo. Do you know that Karamo used to beat his partner, who's also another male? Okay. Karamo, his partner. I mean, he talked about this on this podcast, and I was like, "Wow!" So all of them have been. Jonathan and Karamo at least have been through some really big therapy mm. and they referenced it on the show. And I thought if these guys can make it mainstream, I'm going to talk about it in Asia. I know it's not going to make people, people feel comfortable, yeah. but I'm hoping a public figure, it'll make people feel that it's more accessible mm. and then it can help them mm. because it's changed, absolutely changed my life. I never thought I could be this happy. Mm. That's amazing. I can, I can see the glow coming out from you right now. You know, you, you just... <laughs> and I know because I have photos of when I would fake the glow. Like I have photos in Dubai <laughs> where I'm like, and you can see that my eyes are like just freaking out. It's such a mm. different. Uh, but, but you said, you said that um, be- beauty losing, it's a losing race with beauty. That is so cool. Oh, I love that video. That is That's so good. Video. That is, that's, I'm going to get a t-shirt on that one, you know, because yeah, we're, we're trying our best to look our best. Right. And also with fame as well, fame is, um, amenity, right. You said that it was really good. Yeah, amenity work. Yeah. Wayne Tapp. Fame is yeah. Amenity. So good. It is. Mm. I can't believe how many people want to be famous. I've had a little bit of it and I'm like, guys, you know, that no one remembers people from even 10 years ago, unless you're mm. mega famous. And even now, like, it's so funny. I watch all these old documentaries. I told you I watched documentary after documentary. Yeah. I watched on HBO the other day, a documentary of Judy Garland. Half the people in the Judy Garland documentary, if you ask my generation, unless they were massive Hollywood buffs like me, they would mm. not know who they were. Mm. If you talk to generation Z now and you said, who's Judy Garland? Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, what? They're, it's like, anonymity. Famous anonymity mm, waiting to happen. Yeah, like, yeah, some like you, like you said about some people um, know about Michael Jackson, but no, not a lot of people know about Elvis Presley. I'm thinking, holy shit, you know, Elvis Presley was pretty big back then, but because of the fame, now he's like fading away, right? It's it's so weird. Just um, and I was making me think about today. I mean, what can you do to maintain that legacy? What what can you do? Maybe just write a book, or, or you know, yeah, what, what do you do, lovely. right? Yeah. Latest documentary I'm watching on Netflix, Diary of Anne Frank. It's called pa- hashtag Parallel Lives, yeah. Anne Frank. Mm. And she wrote in her diary as a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, I yeah. Just before I... I went to the Anne Frank house as well in Amsterdam. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, and yeah, I, yeah. They showed in the docker, but she writes in the diary. She said, all I know is that I want, if I disappear, I want a little piece of me, something like this, to be left mm. behind for this world. I don't want to just be here to live a normal existence like other people. And mm. it was so pretty. Yep. So it is the book for other so, people. It's their culture. It's their children. Mm. The children have a legacy. But actually, I've seen so much death and death about happen that I think we're just here to do the best we can and be as kind and as compassionate and contribute as much as we can before we go. Mm. Even the famous people, that's what they're trying to do. But I think, you know, wanting to be immortalized and wanting to, chasing the dream of being immortalized has to be formed on some small need or impetus that happened in childhood. That's more therapy for you. People will be left like in stone. Like I watch all this, you know, Greek and Roman dramas where, oh, you will be remembered by the ages, like in Vikings. Mm. And I think that, yeah, you wouldn't be there to enjoy it. Who would care? What is that? Then what is that propelled by? Ego. That's propelled by the ego. Yeah. Ego is enemy, guys. True, true. I know, um, yeah, I remember like, I, I used to, I dated this one girl and she, um, her ex used to be, oh, well, she, she was in a, tw- she was about 27, but, um, but one of the exes was about, in his 50 he was about 55 or something like that but then the father like she didn't have a father figure in her life and i figured that oh maybe she was doing that just to have fill that part of her life you know so just have that father figure 
and um it, it's you know it's it's there you know so um it's in a famous John Mayer song. He says, fathers be good to your daughters because daughters will love like you do. Mm. Girls become mothers. Um, girls become lovers, then they become mothers. So mm. mothers be good to your daughters too. Mm. That whole song is about how people pick their partners. Amazing. You, uh, you just Google that song. Mm. John, John Mayer. John Mayer and it's called Daughters. Daughters, yeah. Okay. Put it in the chat. Oh my god! Every this time I, I was like, John Mayer is so intelligent. But I would say, Kwai, if you want to make some huge, like, jumping leaps, mm -hmm. the most amount of progress that I've made from September until now, like in terms of earnings in my business, okay, even the pandemic has been because I found people who did similar work to me, but in other countries, found them through LinkedIn. And I have some here in Singapore and we've formed like pods. And so besides my partner, you know, they say you're the average of the five people you're surrounded by. Mm -hmm. I completely changed who I was surrounded by. And it keeps me, it keeps my mind so sharp and so lean and void of like rubbish that it's like sharpening a blade. So if there's one thing I would say for you to do and mm. to leave you on is like, think really carefully about that. Easier okay. said than done for me because I'm away from my family. So any toxic family, I can just, if you have any toxic family, not so easy to do if you're living in that mm. city. Mm. But, um, but people used to say that to me and I, I was not very discerning. I used to think, oh, no, ev everyone's so lovely because I didn't think enough of myself. So I felt grateful that I just had friends. Mm. I can say that now I have a true rock star team that's on Team Simone and it, when you're surrounded by people who want you to win, you actually start winning. Mm, definitely. Yeah. When I, um, when I was growing up and stuff, yeah, I was always surrounded by, yeah, a lot, a lot of that negative, negative friends who they weren't ambitious or anything, but then over the years I sort of like started cutting them out and, um, yeah. and then it just became just me. You know? <laughs> so then I started pushing out all this content and stuff. And then yes. I started just meeting a lot of people online, not, not in my current, not in, the, not in Sydney, but just people online. I just got friends online that's really ambitious and they're just doing all these yeah. amazing things. So that's sort of like my network at the moment is that they're just all digital, you know? <laughs> so it's... I know, but me, and it makes me feel less lonely. Like yeah. everyone my age in Singapore that I know of is now having their second child already. They're the mm -hmm. first one at 32, the second one at 36. So I can't talk to them about these things, particularly I can't talk to men about it because yeah. the male so finding other women who are oh, all is, yeah 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 it's a bit hard right yeah but it's very hard. they're fucking amazing mm -hmm. and we're all on each other's teams and mm -hmm. we support each other on socials and we have long deep skype conversations mm -hmm. and then i'm my partner and i re and and of course my mum and a couple of best friends um in switzerland and australia that's all i freaking need bro mm -hmm. i want to start a um a community called ENFP or ENFJs unite, you know, so then we all get together. We just like a community. Like I create um, little pods, like four people pods of women speakers. And I of course have the courageous speaking community that I try and bring what I, that same feeling of in the pods to the community. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm massive on starting little groups on group chat on WhatsApp or whatever like that, just yeah. because, um, it's going to change the race. It's mm. like, it's like before doing Olympic relay with just you wanting to win and the other three just kind of like half in it. Yeah. Or secretly wanting you to drop the baton. You know, that was tough for me. Mm. For alpha female, Love it. The amount of women you have that don't want you. Yeah. You, you're up against the, um, the female <laughs> part component where they're trying to pull you down. It's the, the crab mentality. That's it's really difficult. <laughs> It's really difficult. And, the, and you're being judged when you're on stage, you're being judged by your shoes and your dress and everything. It's just, you know, some, you know, the girls are not really listening to it. They're just judging you what you wear and everything. And it's uh, yeah. I can't imagine how tough it could be, but you, you know, you keep pushing, right? That's awesome. That's yeah. So cool. Yeah. I think, mm. you know, the longer you're in the game, the more oblivious you get of that stuff. And I, I try and, um, I try and have that game sorted as the minimum. And then, yeah. you know, really, because the thing is, if you're really, really good, 
mm. or they can hate on your shoes. That's the only. Oh, that's a quote. <laughs> Let's get a t-shirt on that. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. Like that's another that, quote from Simone. The only thing they can find to hate on is your shoes. Last question is: How can people get in contact with you as well? Oh my God, I would love to get in contact. Connection, <laughs> and I actually do reply to everyone. Mm. So. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, just put Simone Hang in there or on Instagram at Simone Hang. Facebook is Simone Hang Official. And if you're interested in um, courageous speaking, go to courageousspeaking.com and then simonehang.com. You're going to go and nosy or as mm. we're saying, what we're here for. Look at all my stuff. You can go there as Got well. A lot of good stuff. Awesome. Uh, thank, you for, thank you so much for, for taking note of all these things I've been posting. My goodness. Yeah, I have to I have to research. Um, yeah, I, you know, I listen to the podcast, what you're doing as well, try and get the best, you know, the good stuff and oh, yeah, amazing. share it with everyone. So yeah, yeah, I really appreciate um, what you're doing. And yeah, I saw I saw everything what you're doing. And I just knew that um, it's just a message that needs to be shared with other people. And there should be more people like yourself out there that's inspiring more people and um, yeah, representing as well. So that's awesome. Oh. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing what you're doing because you're, you're, you're the knowledge broker, right? The knowledge you're broker. The, yeah. Right? Maybe. <laughs> you're the, you're the That's what they call it. The knowledge Wheel, broker. Wheeling dealing. Yeah. <laughs> well, with, without you, you know, the message would be shared. So yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Simone, I really appreciate your time today. Um, once again, I wish you, you know, all the best for future endeavors. And I know that you're going to be touching the lives of, you know, millions of people in the, near future and um yeah keep doing what you're doing and inspiring and um keep lining up the darkness so thank you thank you my love no worries